0: This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Hello, and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm the other half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Darren, good to hear you, as always. Good to hear you. Uh, We both are lucky enough to spend some time in the South uh, this week. Yes, I'm down in Savannah. Had the pleasure of eating at the Gray, and the recently opened Husk, and then some other hole-in-the-wall joints got my filled biscuits and grits. Awesome. Well, I had the wonderful pleasure of sitting down with Julian Zettler, the executive director of Charleston Wine and Food Festival, kicking off February 28th, going through that whole weekend, and it's going to be a blast. Some of the city's best and the nation's best food people, personalities, and pop-ups that you can enjoy. Tickets are actually still available. I would recommend getting a ticket, hopping on a plane, and going down. It's going to be awesome. Heritage Radio Network is going to be hosting a day on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we have a new edition of Snacky Tunes 5 with Jameson Fink and his wonderful partner asking him her top five wine questions that she has always wanted to answer to, or was maybe too afraid to ask. Finally, we have Fruits and Flowers who talk about going on the road, heading to Treeport Fest, South by Southwest, and their band Sylvia. Awesome. Well, sit back, enjoy, and here we go Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org.
3: We talk about food We talk about music With musical dudes Finger on the pulse Snap
4: Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Jillian Zettler, Executive Director of Charleston Wine and Food, which is when this airs a week and a half away. Thank you for making the time for us.
5: Oh, you're so welcome.
4: Um, So, for those who are not familiar, let's start broad. What is Charleston Wine and Food Festival?
5: Charleston Wine and Food Festival is now going into its 13th year. It's. Nozzle Tub. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Officially an adult.
5: Uh, Teenager. Teenager. Or a teenager. An unruly teenager. Um, we are now a five-day festival that takes place <laughs> the first full week end in March. Starting in year. February this year, though, it right? It is. I know that's a little caveat, but, um, Charleston is such a city that is rifled full of wonderful events that we have to share lots of park space. Sure. Um, and we are chock full of cooking classes and crazy field trips and parties and dinners and all sorts of things.
4: Amazing. So before we get to the festival, I want to talk a little bit about you. Okay. Um, So when did you first start getting into events? What's brought you into the event world?
5: Oh, man. I started, I guess, my event experience, um, I was an education major at Clemson University, and I had nothing to do with events, or at least (laughs) I didn't think I did. And um, I ended up uh, with an opportunity as the promotions and marketing director for a cluster of radio stations Ooh. in Greenville, South Carolina, and um, just really kind of caught the bug of that, was headhunted to do um, to do promotions and marketing for a record label um, after that, and just really, really loved kind of that crazy, chaotic adrenaline rush from pulling lots of crazy details together
4: I mean it does get pretty that rush of doing events is addictive
5: yeah I think I think it's like kind of in your blood or it's not
4: yeah I think people are seated as some like black hole wizard magic uh, (laughs) that they have no idea or you just see all the pieces and how they line up
5: Yeah. It's interesting. We, um, we have gotten so many amazing interns, um, in conjunction with this program that we have at the college of Charleston Mm -hmm. here. And even in my time prior to being in Charleston and you see these like bright eyed and bushy tailed, um, future event folk and some that think it is a lot about like, is it peonies or is it garden roses or like what are the color of the linens? And it is so not that.
4: No, that's like the final touches. Uh, Yes. Um, And so during your time uh, producing music, um, were there any parallels that you saw back then that are now apply to the way that food festivals are treated?
5: Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny because I feel like chefs um, are a lot like rock stars Mm -hmm. at this point. So there are some parallels there, um, herding cats and all those things. Um, Love them. But I think it's just I remember um, my, my first real boss out of college, um, Hey Chase Murphy, um, who gave me a great piece of advice. I'll never forget that we were preparing to do this huge promotion. Um with a big pop star at the time. And we were we had like two thousand guests outside waiting for this concert and there started to be these sirens that uh-huh. went off for the nuclear plant that wasn't that far away in Seneca, <laughs> South Carolina. And I was freaking out. It was like one of my first big events, and he was like, Look, you need to kind of decide right now like whether or not you're gonna be the person that like throws energy into worry or if you're gonna treat this like a tennis match. And that analogy just kind of stuck mm. with me that it really really is like beating back the ball at sure. all times. And rather than being stressed about it, like I can say very concretely that I just, I don't stress anymore. And you kind of look at it as just like being a killer problem solver.
4: Yeah. I mean, you can't put out a fire when you're on fire. Correct. Um, and so from... Uh, your time working in radio and doing music events you had some other jobs but you eventually wound up at uh, euphoria greenville
5: that is true which
4: is as the executive director which is a uh, music and food focused Mm -hmm. um event which there are tons of now but when you were doing it there was still sort of a burgeoning genre yeah um so you talk about what it was like during those days and sort of like bridging the gap and was that when you started thinking about food festivals as well
5: yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it just—it's—it was that live event experience for me. Like one of my first loves is absolutely music. Of course. I, I grew up in um, like a Beatles, Grateful Dead household, and it was always a backdrop of like any food experience that we had. Um, my parents play music louder than most people. You're like, like mom might. and dad. Can you
4: <laughs> please turn it down? Yeah,
5: that is definitely the truth. My siblings would concur, <laughs> um, but it, they're just so they're so linked. And I think that I loved that idea that Euphoria was doing really great things on the food side, but it was, how could you heighten that marriage between those Mm -hmm. two things? And, um, you know, I think that we've done a really nice job of even finding our own way here in Charleston to elevate the music piece as well.
4: Um, so while you were there, uh, had you heard about the Charleston Food and Wine Festival, or like, I mean, it's a fairly well known festival now, but back in like 2010, 2011, 2012, etc., that time, how much did you know about it? Was something on your mind like, were you eyeing that as a, as a job or someplace you'd want to wind up?
5: Definitely not. I don't, I would say I wasn't eyeing it as a job, but I mean, you when you want to do something well, you try to look for the people around you that are also doing things well. Sure. So, one of the first things that I did at the time was I you know, I grabbed my counterpart and I said, we're going to go to Charleston and check it out. They're in our market. Um, and, you know, and we still continue to do that. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of seeing the things that they were doing, signage and events and points of egress. And obviously they were doing a lot of things um, great. There was a great foundation that was was built. But, I mean, I just think you always want to see what other people are doing. And I've actually tried to make it more of a habit now that I visit a lot of non-food festival events Mm -hmm. um, because I just think you can get some really cool ideas and inspiration from places that, you know, we don't want to do what anyone else is doing. We want to do new things.
4: Yeah, I mean, with so many food festivals now, the base can feel very similar, but pulling in those outside elements, art, technology, music, wellness, wellness, uh, charity work, which you guys do a lot of, can make it stand out. Um, So even though you didn't have your eye, in Charleston, Wine and Food. How did you get pulled in?
5: Well, I mean, it it seemed like for me it would be a really big professional challenge. The festival here was was much, much bigger than what I was doing. How big was Euphoria? Euphoria, at the time that I was there, and I think the numbers are pretty similar, was about four to 5,000 people over okay. the course of four days. And we had grown that event during my tenure from three to four days. And then, you know, here in Charleston, we have like... A little over twenty-three thousand people, um, and that I mean that number has increased quite a bit since four years ago. Sure, we we also like started on a Wednesday instead of starting on a Thursday, and you know started programming days like events later into Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you know now we're finding people are coming in earlier to Charleston, they're leaving later, um, and it allowed us to have more dynamic programming, so things weren't conflicting so much.
4: So how do they rub you in?
5: Well, I mean, I think for me, it just felt like, all right, this is like, this is next level sure. and it's basically in my backyard mm-hmm. and it's in Charleston. You know, I mean, from a, from a backdrop standpoint, you can't picture places in the U.S. that are much more beautiful and bountiful than oh Charleston to produce a food event.
4: It's and idyllic.
5: And I think the thing that honestly, like I, I went into the process not expecting to be a finalist and kind of was like all right where whatever will be will be but what was really alluring during the interview process was just I mean they put me through the ringer I mean it was six months of interviews um, and I think what I actually really loved is how intense people were about who was going to get the job Mm -hmm. because there's just such an extreme amount of care on like it's a big city with a big marquee reputation but it's still a small town in a lot of ways.
4: And this, I would say, as far as events go that represent or are ambassador to the city compared to other markets of similar size is a key event uh, that shows people what Charleston really has to offer.
5: Yeah, I mean, there have been people that have um, opened restaurants here because they came for the festival. There are people that have moved here and relocated because of the festival. Um, easy to fall in love. Yeah, it's really easy to fall in love, and you know, I just I love that those those are all the intangibles. Those are all the stories that um, that we love being passed along that don't necessarily fall into like a pie graph.
4: <laughs> no, and so when you um, took over 2014?
5: it was two thousand fourteen. But I I literally started like two months before the festival happened, so I was a little bit more of a spectator in fourteen.
4: And what was the state of the festival? I mean, it must have, because what people don't realize is like two months out, things are sort of set. Oh, they're set. They're set. Sorry, not even sort of set. They're (laughs) They're set. set. (laughs) Maybe you get to pick what type of flowers are on the table. That's when you get to come in and and pick the color of the linens. But um, what was the current state? What did you see? What did you like? You know, where did you want to take it?
5: I think that food festivals in general at least at that time, obviously, like you said, there's been a lot that have cropped up even mm-hmm. since then. But there's a stigma attached to them that they're for a certain type of person and a certain demographic. Um, certain income bracket, too. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, you want... I wanted to see the festival be as accessible as possible for different types of people because, um, you know, dynamic pricing, dynamic experiences um, making sure like, cause everyone's, everyone's food identity is different. Mm-hmm. And we all, you know, some people, you know, they want the white tablecloth experience, um, all the time. Sure. Some people, you know, their relationship with food, are food trucks and street food and, and all of that is cool. And I think that what we're trying to do now is make sure that, um, it's just really diverse and really interesting and that you could have 15 people say they love Charleston wine and food and the reasons that they go could be completely different.
4: Four different Venn diagrams.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, all right. So we're going to take a quick musical break. We're going to come back. we talk about this year's festival and the awesome lineup. We do not have enough time to cover all of it <laughs> because there's so many amazing events, but we're gonna hit some of the highlights. We have a song from the archives here on snacking tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hello and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We're with Jillian Zettler, Executive Director of Charleston Wine and Food. And before the break, we were talking about how to differentiate different food festivals. You have a lot of these secondary, tertiary cities that have their own um, unique style and food culture, but sometimes you go to these food festivals and it feels like you could be anywhere. Yeah. So how do you balance the curation of local flavor yet bringing in that national talent that sort of puts it you know on the national culinary map
5: Well, you know, it's interesting. We actually had a really deep dive after last year's festival, making sure that we weren't getting too siloed in in how we create the programming and, you know, North Star and all that, like those are like really buzzy terms right now in business. But we did talk about higher purpose Mm -hmm. Um, and the team really kind of dialed in on what we felt like that was really quickly. And, you know, that's meaningful connections, making sure that we're vivid storytellers and that we always have a sense of place. And that sense of place is key in everything we do. So we try to ask those questions as we're building events. And I think what we do really well is that, you know, it's not everything under a white tent. You're experiencing things from, you know, Mount Pleasant to... James Island, On DAW, you're on the water, you're in non-traditional venues, um, and that makes it feel really special. And I think what does make it unique is that we're asking folks to come in and and feel that sense of collaboration, um, and you know, so now we have chefs that are coming from not only all over the U. S. but we also have people that are coming in internationally as well.
4: I mean, which is amazing to be flying in to Charleston. <laughs> Uh, from overseas. Yeah. So when you start thinking about the programming, how do you start, you know, do you, is it a, you know, is it three by five cards on a push pin (laughs) board? Is it just a whiteboard? You know, how do you start laying out? Do you have one or two marquee events? Like we have to do this. These are never going away. And then you start filling in the different, uh, you know, gaps.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a little bit of a lot of things, so there's definitely some fan favorites that we kind of go, oh gosh, like if people would revolt if we took away Pinot Envy or whatever, um, but then there's, you know, it really has been a conscious decision with the team to say 85 to 90% of the program is gonna, programming is going to change every year mm-hmm. because guests have a lot of choice at this point about where they can go, and we've got to make them feel like there's going to be something new every year that they want to check out. Um, we actually had a pretty funny process. We have a, we have a former teacher on our team Ooh. and she, um, suggested a very democratic way to throw out ideas. So we, we actually, phase one was a lot of like post it large post-its on the wall. Love that post-it process. Some really great classic rock playing in the background, everyone with a Sharpie marker and you all write your ideas. And then we all went back and we like starred the ideas oh. that we liked. <laughs> and the ones that got the most stars, you ended up chatting about, and the person could kind of like do their 30 second soapbox pitch. Yeah.
6: Um,
5: that's part one. I mean, sometimes we have partners that give us great ideas for events. Sometimes chefs end up giving us ideas. You know, we've done. A couple of rounds of things with John Lewis, and, you know, a lot of those come straight from his crazy brain. Um, So, I mean, they kind of come in a myriad of ways. And sometimes the programming is even informed based on, like, a chef that we've been dying to work with that's finally coming. And so it kind of finally makes sense to do event X because they'll be around.
4: And I'm sure events or types of events change with the year and the current trends and things like that.
5: Yeah, I mean, a bit. It's, it's weird because you're actually, like, we'll go through and our final, final with large quotation marks, <laughs> event schedule will be kind of vetted out in April. Yeah. So we literally go from, you know, books close on two thousand. Oh, so you're talking
4: like eight months out.
5: Oh, yeah. Nine like, months out. Like, we the running joke in here is, guess what? In, in two weeks, you know, the festival will be over and in three weeks we'll be talking about the next one. And... So, we already have a pre canned list of things we didn't get to do in 18 that might come up in 19. Sure. Um, you know, venues that we know might be opening in the next year and what would be really cool to do right. in that space.
4: Um, so, let's talk about some of the events that you have this year. Sure. One of my favorite is that you're bringing in uh, a fashion event with the legendary Nancy Silverton. Oh,
1: Nancy. I, I mean, love her. Nancy. Love
4: <laughs> Nancy. Uh, special place in my heart now, now that I live in LA. She's just, like... She essentially is, in my mind, responsible for good bread
5: yes. in the city. Yes,
4: But it's called some, like, it hot, yeah. and hot couture, yeah. anyway. Um, and so what was the importance of bringing uh, fashion in uh, to the conversation for food this year?
5: Well, we've got this killer... Amazing boutique, um, Hamden clothing on King Street, and um, Stacy Small, who's the owner, is just—I um, don't know if I'm allowed to say this on air—but she's a badass. You can
4: say you can All say right. a lot worse All me.
5: right, good. Well, she's a badass, and um, it—I think it, again, it's like looking for those other places where food intersects with something else, um, and knowing that there's an audience for that conversation. And Nancy's just. I mean, she's iconic for a million different reasons, but I love that, you know, from a fashion standpoint, I mean, she's like walking out, doing her power walking in Marnie, and, you know, like, like why? <laughs> and, you're in, and you're in a kitchen, and where did that love come from, and composition of plates, and I just feel like there's so many different um, ways that that conversation can go, and she's even cooler because she's super humble, and I don't even think she realizes how... How cool, she
4: is. <laughs> no, um, another uh, sort of fashion uh, icon, but for a different reason, who's coming in is Ellen Bennett, mm-hmm. who we absolutely love oh, here at Snacking her Tunes. Too. And she's taking her uh, brunch squad uh, event, which she started in LA. And I guess it's a good idea of someone who's like, I have an event and let me do it here.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, we we actually, we pitched it to her, oh. you know, if you follow her on social media. It's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, and you see that she does these brunches in her beautifully Instagram-friendly home, and her pig Oliver, and her hubs, and all their friends, and so we kind of wondered, like, could we do this event on steroids in Charleston? Um, and so then, you know, anyone who knows Ellen, when you have a brainstorming session with her starts riffing and you're just trying your best to like write everything down as fast as she's saying it. And um, she put together a killer lineup of chefs with us along with William Sonoma. And we're basically going to have all of the folks that are coming to this brunch, be active participants in kind of creating this pop-up experience on the fly. So it's going to be totally chaotic and crazy, um, which Ellen does that really gracefully. And I think that as long as people come open-minded, yes. it's going to be one of the like sleeper, coolest events of the weekend.
4: You'll leave smiling, no doubt. Absolutely. If you come with an open mind. Um, and then finally, I want to talk about uh, Pecha Kucha and Choir, Choir, Choir. Yes. Because that, to me, is the... Stand out head scratcher but i gotta want to see it because i don't know if i'll ever see anywhere else what yeah. is it
5: all right so pecha kucha, we'll start with pecha kucha. pecha kucha if you're not familiar is this japanese form of storytelling that was actually started amongst a group of architects and i guess the primary reason was to kind of bring people out of their shell and talk about something that they were really passionate about um we were able to work Collaboratively with a local creative group called Parliament a few years ago, and said, Hey, what do you think about doing this together? But we kind of thematically have all the people that participate in this Pecha Kucha night be from the wine and food space somehow. Um, So you have a certain amount of time six minutes, 40 seconds, and 20 seconds per slide to basically share something you're really passionate about. Mm. I think one of I I had the chance to do it in year ten as a presenter and I think some of the most magical things about it are that in the group of presenters, without really, you know, doing a lot of marionette pulling on the back end, you end up with people that are funny, you end up with people that are somber, you end up with people that it's just it ends up being this like kind of magical array of stories that are shared. And um, it's rapid fire, so it's kind of like a TED Talk on steroids because it's it, there's lots of conditions in place with how it goes. Gotcha.
4: And the choir, choir, choir?
5: Choir, choir, choir was a personal Jillian executive director, I want to figure out how to do this. Um, Love it. And the audience of Pecha Kucha, I think, like because there ends up being just this like really loving, open-minded vibe at those events... Um, choir 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 is basically like a flash mob for singing hmm. and to me personally like it's almost like ratatouille anyone can cook anyone can sing and so these guys from toronto started this um, program where they very often bring people together for one night with basic sheet music and by the end of the evening you've become a fully formed choir um, they've done epic pecha Kucha nights with some really great um lead vocalists they've done homages to you know Bowie and um, to all sorts of all sorts of folks prince and so we're going to have this choir 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 kind of flash mob choir thing happening right at the end of Pech Kucha and i just think the world is like a really insanely complicated stressed out sometimes sad place and to have a thousand people in a room that can celebrate other people's creativity and then be able to kind of join together and, and sing like that's a room I want to be in and we want mm-hmm. to create rooms that people want to be in.
4: I mean, that's a beautiful sentiment. And there's also some ethos that ties back into the festival as whole about how much you support the city, uh, through not just, um, the economic uh, growth of people coming in and more people coming in every year, but also through your charity work. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the programs you have in place, the scholarships, uh, place training and the work that you do with the community to help take that room and turn it into a city?
5: Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely takes a village. The the festival takes a village. It was started as a 501 C three organization. There's been like various iterations of what that's looked like. Um, you know we again like along that same conversation about higher purpose we did a really deep internal kind of audit on what is intrinsically driving us to want to make this festival better and better and you know it's it's kind of hard to say at this point that you need to focus the attention on Charleston because there are a lot of people that are aware that it's a beautiful city but how can we continue to be an economic impact driver that speaks to a need? Um, and when you were, when we were talking to local chefs, shareholders, hotels, the need is that you know from a workforce standpoint, there's so much growth, and there needs to be some sort of connection to supporting, um, you know, the job growth in areas that are needed locally. 180 Place Training um, is this amazing program that basically gives all of the goods to folks that are either at 180 place meaning that um you know they they may have been homeless and veterans and gives them the opportunity to develop a skill set in our rapid like six-week training program um, allowing them to feel ready to apply and retain a job in the culinary and hospitality space so we um did kind of a dry run of this at the end of the year last year because their graduation um, is kind of predicated on an externship that they normally do in a local restaurant. Hopefully that local restaurant hires them Mm. at the close of the program. So we actually used the festival as the final stage of their program last year. And virtually every person that participated in the program was offered a job on the spot. And, That, I mean, we just were like, ugh, like, this is why we're doing what we're doing, because these are the types of opportunities and connections, again, like dialing back to that higher purpose, Mm -hmm. meaningful connections, sense of place, you know, storytelling opportunities. Um, and so now we're officially, you know, we're officially connected to 180 Place Training. Um, there will be another round of externships during the festival. Incredible. And, you know, and I would be remiss in saying that one of the coolest things is that one of the folks that was on the ground during the festival last year who was hired on the spot at our finale event um, became a kitchen manager within six months of being on the job. Can you say their name? Um, well, Smoke smoke Barbecue, Roland was Smoke Barbecue's yes. owner, and he hired this gen- gentleman, um, Stefan, who is affectionately known as the Reverend. Um, hmm. And, you know, there's a, a larger story there, but basically through uh, a little bit of a happy accident in the kitchen, um, ended up creating this cornbread recipe that they're now actually going to turn into um, the reverend's cornbread company so he kind of he went from homeless to business partner um, business owner in a year's time
4: beautiful and all thanks to the festival and the community and and his hard work and his
5: hard work and and amazing members of the charleston community who are just committed to doing good things
4: awesome well listen i can't thank you enough I know you have a lot of work to get <laughs> back to. If people want to come and check it out, where can they get tickets? Where can they see all the information?
5: Yeah, so head to charlestonwineandfood.com. Um, if you're overwhelmed or you need assistance, we've got a killer ticketing coordinator. But um, the website's the best place to snag something before they're all gone. They're all
4: gone. And we're excited because Heritage Radio Network is going to be there.
5: We can't wait.
4: I know. Uh, it'll be some of the great and best team members down there sending uh, our love from Charleston to Brooklyn and beyond. And beyond. Uh, but thank Thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations. So much. Uh, we have another song from the archives, and we have a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
7: Jameson Fink, I'm the senior digital editor at Wine Enthusiast Magazine, and for this installment of Snacky Tunes Fives, I thought I would do something a little different. I would have my girlfriend Emily ask me five questions. I don't know what the questions are. They will be about wine. I hope uh, Emily and I have enjoyed drinking wine together. And uh, she's enthusiastic about it. And she's not a newbie, but uh, we're drinking a lot of crazy fun things. So I'm wondering what questions about wine are on her mind. So, Emily, your first question for me.
1: What is the weirdest wine you've ever had?
7: Uh, The weirdest wine I've ever had, um, maybe um, when I was in college, uh, this hippie guy I knew made an illegal cranberry wine and we started drinking it before it was really ready but we were just so delighted to drink something that was illicit and didn't kill us and um it was a a lot of uh I guess fun would be one way to describe it but um no it was fun we had fun that's probably the weirdest wine I've ever drank and that's the only um, I've had rhubarb wine but this is good wine in a way um actually a, a winery um that I really like Uh, on the Puget Sound of Washington State at Whidbey Island Winery, they used to make this delicious rhubarb wine and it it drank a lot like a rosé. It was super dry and tart. So um, that is like diametrically opposite of my cranberry wine experience from college.
1: So if you had a desert island wine, what would that be?
7: It would be rosé champagne, um, kind of on that uh, color of cranberry, rhubarb, pink theme rosé champagne. It would, might be, um, uh, well, it's my desert island line, something like Krug Rosé or Dom Rosé or um, Vimar, Vilmart, uh, just any great rosé champagne.
1: What is the most interesting grape and why?
7: Uh, Hmm. I'm going to say um, Chenin Blanc, to me, is the most interesting grape um, as it's, Expressed in um, France's Loire Valley because it can be, in this one region, it can be dry, it can be semi sweet, it can be sparkling, it can be a dessert wine, like a full on sticky dessert wine. So it's such a chameleon, and I have such a soft spot for um, the Loire Valley. Also, there's great Chenin Blanc. Well, I've had, you know, California, um, South Africa. So, it, you know, it, it can, it can thrive in a lot of places, but it's still sort of, it's still fairly nerdy and esoteric. And that's why, um, uh, I really love Chenin Blanc.
1: Do you think there's any food that doesn't go with wine?
7: Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I hate, I hate, um, I hate saying things like this because, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick, like, oh, you can't have this with that. And a lot of people enjoy this with that. And it's really not the person who I want to be, but um, okay. But uh, let me just say something that that uh, is shocking, is that I don't like wine and chocolate. I don't like red wine and chocolate. Like now, I'm talking dry red wine and chocolate. Um, we, we are doing this on Valentine's Day, so it'll Valentine's Day will be gone. So no one's like you know like choking on their uh, chocolate and uh, cabernet right now. But I just uh, just dry red wine and chocolate to me just is unpleasant. Now, if you want to talk about like sweet wines like port or madeira uh or like uh sweeter cherries and chocolate, I'd be like hell yeah. So, I don't like those um maybe something like cabernet and oysters. I think oysters oysters with red wine unless it's um Maybe like a chilled Beaujolais can be tough. Although it's not a wine, but Guinness and oysters is one of the best combinations I've ever had. It's almost probably actually better than any um, wine and oysters uh, combo I've had. And that includes champagne and Mouscadet. Um,
1: hmm. Is there ever a wine that you've had to learn to enjoy drinking?
7: Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, it's, it's like uh, it's like eating foods. It's like I think there are things as a kid, like I never thought I would like Brussels sprouts or um, mushrooms or things like that. And now I, I love them. Um, so, yeah, I think there definitely is a, a, a learning curve. And it's not a learning thing. Like you can't, like like I must learn it. But it's just sort of like your taste change, your palate evolves. But sometimes you try things at first. I mean, you know, sweet wines would be an example. Um, just like, oh, they're so sweet. They're too sweet. Um, but... Um, They're some of the nicest wines I've had in the world in my life. So I'm really a big fan of those. I think anything, really. I mean, sometimes if you've never had a big, rich Cabernet, um, that can be an adjustment. Or a sweet wines or wines with, like, ripping acidity. Like, um, a Sauvignon Blanc can be really challenging because it's, like, enamel chipping with its acidity. And uh, you just have to – it's like lemonade. Like, some people like their lemonade with a lot of sugar. And some people like it with – uh, more on the tart side with more lemon juice
1: so what is our Valentine's Day wine <laughs>
7: um, our Valentine's Day wine is a white wine it is a uh, kind of a it's kind of a world traveler world journey type of uh, interesting wine it's a Albarino, it's a white wine, and that, that grape is most famous in Spain. But this one is actually from Uruguay. So I thought it would be fun to drink something that's kind of transportive and a new discovery, and unusual and something out of the ordinary. Um, I, I shamefully I, I didn't prepare with champagne for this, but I think um, I think this is a has, this wine has a fun story and a great dialogue and would get. If like this was, I don't know if it'd be, you know, like a first date on Valentine's Day, that's pretty bold. But if you were, it'd be cool to bring a wine that's a conversation piece that you could tell a story about. You don't have to be some, you know, uh, wine expert, but just be like, hey, this wine's from Uruguay. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, uh, it's Alvarino. It's a Spanish grape. So um, how about that? And I think it's a kind of an interesting, fun departure from the ordinary. And uh, I think that's five questions. Am I right?
1: That's right. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day.
7: <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Thanks a lot. My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's. A super duper awesome place.
6: Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage
7: Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage.
4: Welcome back, to Snacky Tunes. We have fruit and flowers. Live in studio?
0: Woohoo! Hello. Hello.
4: Do you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Maybe a little fun fact on what you play? Hmm.
0: Fun facts. <laughs>
4: or not a fun fact, or just what you play. I,
0: I forgot my name. Fun. No fun. No fun. <laughs> no, fun. Uh,
8: this is Lizzie Wakefield. My name is Lizzie, and fun fact is I have a lizard.
4: What type of lizard?
8: A brown anoli.
4: You've surpassed my lizard knowledge. <laughs>
9: Uh, I'm Caroline. I, uh, play bass, and, um, uh, I have eaten tarantulas off of a tree. You what? In Belize, one time.
4: Just, like, plucked right off the tree and...
9: They have a big nest, Mm. and you... It's kind of like, um... Uh, crack. What are those? Snap, crackle, pop rocks. Pop rocks. Kind of like pop rocks. That's the flavor. <clears throat> uh, more the texture. More the
4: texture. Yeah. What's the flavor?
0: Sand. Oh, uh, it's, it's not that exciting. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever tasted sand either. Probably. Never. No, like at never the, beach? Been to the beach. One of your videos was shot at the beach. Shading, oh, yeah, like definitely out the on sand? Accident. <laughs> yeah. Remember them? The I'm th- pretty sure you ate it. I definitely <laughs> ate it. Okay, well, my name's Anna. I play guitar. <laughs> and she Fun eats sand. Fun fact is I <laughs> eat sand. <laughs> no, but I definitely <laughs> ate it when a giant. there was a giant wave during one of our video shoots. And oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I got knocked. <laughs> you got it. I got wiped out.
10: Every time we... Are shooting a, a video I gets knocked by <laughs> second time was by the train we were in the train and the oh my god and the train I, I suddenly got... stopped and Anna, like I,
0: fl- I got yeah. pretty injured from that oh, actually that's... it took me a while for yeah.
10: um... did you have
4: like the panic of like how how infinite you sm- felt in the universe when a wave just takes you out <laughs> you're like I, I could this could be it
0: um Yes, there was that moment of panic, but I don't think I felt infinite or at one with the universe. It was just like, oh, God, my face is about to be full of sand and this is going to hurt real bad. Um, yeah.
10: And my name is Jose. I play drums in the band. And a fun fact, maybe that I was in the, there was like a marching band in my high school and I, I was in it, so... That's why I play drums. <laughs> oh, okay. Origin story. Wow. Yeah, we, we, we won a really important contest. It's well, one of my hey, milestones. What was the contest? No, just marching bands. Oh, okay. Back there in Bogota. Battle
0: of the Marching Bands?
10: Yeah, basically. It, it doesn't sound, sound that cool, but it was really cool at the time. Sounds so, cool. Yeah. How yeah. old was cool. were you? Yeah, thanks. How old were
4: you? 16. Uh, uh, speaking of origin stories, you formed in 2015 in Bushwick. Yeah. The broken AC.
8: On Tame Street. On over Tame here.
4: Street. It's right over here. What, yeah. is, what is it about broken ACs here. in apartments that lead to creation? Mm.
0: Hmm. Perspiration. There's something, isn't there that quote about perspiration and inspiration? This is perspiration like literally.
4: Literal perspiration.
0: Yeah.
4: What was the genesis for the formation of the, the band or how did it come to be?
0: Hmm. Well,
9: uh, I uh, had come back from South by Southwest uh, that year with uh, Tara from Shark Muffin, and I was like, "Hey, I want to get a group of people together and do a band now." So I got back and uh, just looked around, and, and then there were people, and then the Angels arrived. And then we started recording.
4: And you didn't. And you played your first gig at Northside Festival not too too soon after, right?
8: Like literally two weeks after we started the band, and, and we wrote those five songs just for that.
0: I think or maybe it was like three or four. <laughs> I think it was like five weeks.
8: It but felt it, like two, there, but it might have <laughs> been four.
0: There were a lot of. Very. It was, it was, a, it was a confusing nights.
4: time. <laughs> Just for the <laughs> inquiring in future bands, how did you get the offer before <laughs> the songs were written or before anything was heard?
9: Probably
8: Tara, right? I think no, it, was Shaw. it was
9: yeah. Shaw was but, uh, working at at the venue that um that we that the Northside Festival was at. Which venue? Uh, Much mores. Hmm.
0: Well, there Northside is at a lot of it, uh, venues, but that's the one we played. Yeah.
9: But uh, also, I was kind of thinking, you know, we should go ahead and book a show because otherwise we won't feel the pressure. And then, you know.
0: It was a good idea. Thanks.
4: I mean, you're still here, <laughs> and you still exist. We yeah. survived. You survived. Uh, how many of those songs made it onto the Drug Tax EP?
0: All,
8: all of them. them.
4: So all of it that was. That is just, the Drug Tax EP. <laughs> oh, so those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think there were one or two that we wrote after that initial burst. I Dark, think Down, Dark Down, Surf, Down and Dark Surf. Dark Surf we wrote after. That's true. Jose was already in the band yeah, think, when we I wrote the
10: band, like, Dark Surf. Five months after, after maybe not
9: even. It might have been three or four.
0: It wasn't that long. Our, it was in November, yeah. so yeah. So must yeah. yeah, May, June, July, obviously. Can we hear a song? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, sure. What are you gonna
4: play for us first? <laughs> I, I
0: guess neither, neither. we should do out of touch because we were just talking. Oh about yeah,
8: oh yeah. This is um, our f- probably the first song
9: that we, the first full song. Yeah. This is the f- you're like that okay we have learned. the show. Yeah. Song one. Yes.
4: And how did this, What is the song uh, about? How did it come into being?
8: It's well, about Shaw's Shaw love. Shaw wrote it about some girl.
4: Oh. <laughs> 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 where's Shaw and where's the girl? No one knows.
0: Uh, The girl might be on the West Coast or something, and Shaw is probably around the corner right now. Yeah, he's probably in
9: bed or at at his computer. He's probably listening right now. Oh, hi, Shaw.
4: Hey, Shaw. Hey. Uh, Well, here we go live on Snacky Tunes. Wrong? Most of last year supporting the EP, which also earned you spot on the hardest working band in New York. What are yeah. some of the highlights of last year's tour and where did you go in America? Okay.
0: Oh boy. Woo! Which one? Which one? We went to Canada. That's not in America.
4: That's not in North America, but where in Canada?
0: Oh, we had I don't know if we want to get into this argument. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> last year we had
10: a uh, like this debate discussion discussion about discourse. Yeah, apparently here in this in the states, it, you are taught that there are seven continents, mm-hmm. but the rest <laughs> of the world doesn't agree with that because we think that there are five continents actually. Like America is yeah, a whole North, con- and
6: North South America, North are Central, one.
10: yeah, so.
0: and we didn't know this at first, and we got in a very <laughs> passionate, heated, drunk. <laughs> Angry. I was just, <laughs> I was just watching. Was you were not just
6: watching. <laughs> anyway. And You were yelling
0: at me about Central America, so, and I was saying I didn't want to look at a map, and you were, <laughs> I was like, look at the map. Why aren't you curious? What's
9: so wrong it's just, with you? It's
0: just
4: the Americas.
10: Yeah, it was really interesting because the conclusion was like, there's not such thing as an absolute truth. You know, there, mm. there are just agreements and standards. Like there, there's, like, there's like a standard knowledge, yep. but that can be varies. So. so that was like the conclusion. What is truth, Pretty man? Much,
4: yeah, I mean, who draws
10: the maps? Am I right?
0: Who draws them? Yeah, not us. Not the,
10: us. I mean, the the earth used to be a square, so yeah, we used to be flat. We so used where to did be in so, the so the solar
0: the is there a consensus? The planets revolve around us.
4: <laughs> is there a consensus among the band of
10: is there five or seven continents? Six.
0: I, I think. think we agreed it's to disagree. Five and seven.
10: Five. <laughs> Both truths. Depending yeah. on how we are feeling, I guess.
0: When yeah. in Rome. So we
8: went to uh, Canada last year, but I think the most exciting thing for me was going to the West Coast. That was a feat of craziness. Why is that? Because driving to the West Coast is insane. We also, also driving all the way up to Seattle and then down to Austin is ridiculous. We, we did that
10: without
9: <laughs> stopping, basically. Yeah, we did... Uh, our tour kickoff show uh, in Brooklyn, and then we did North Carolina, uh, Nashville, Amarillo. Amarillo. And then San Diego. San Diego.
4: Whoa. Nothing in between? No. Uh,
9: I mean, well there was we a lot in between, in Santa but... Th- but was it, we st- <laughs> I think we stopped, stopped in, in Albuquerque. New Mexico- <laughs> we stopped in Albuquerque. I felt like Bugs Bunny.
8: Also in Truth and Consequence.
4: Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. The Truth
0: the and idea, Consequence.
4: Back in my tormenting days, the... Booking agent put us in Miami and then Toronto two days later. Oh, my God. That's very considerate. Yeah, very considerate. And and we did it. And then when I was older, I was like, there's so many places we could have played between Miami and Toronto. So I feel for you (laughs) on (laughs) that job. We just, uh, it was a Swedish band and I was like, you need to get temporary licenses because I can't drive for 48 hours.
0: It was, did you drive two we, days straight? We
4: drove two days straight. We like drove, we stopped on someone's floor and then we like made it. Yeah. It was.
0: How many hours is it driving straight from? I think Brand it was like, to Toronto? I think
4: we did. I can't remember. It just is like a bar camera. There was like, there was one 20 hour segment. It was has got V50. Yeah, it was. Morning. It was so. I feel
0: bad
8: for the vehicle too. That's not good.
4: We had a good, we had a good vehicle. It was a it was a rental. Okay.
8: You have well, a good fu- van, right? I mean, yeah. Screw van. it if it's a rental. Yeah, if it's a rental, <laughs> like,
4: yeah. We actually just like knifed the tires and left it in, in Canada. <laughs> Tight. But you have a you have a good van. We have a
0: it's it's, it's got a some, lot of personality. Personality. Most of the time, it's a
8: bus.
4: It's a bus. Oh, it's a bus. Yeah. yeah. What's it's a, right outside. What's it's the make and model? It's a, it's a right? Lima bus. It's a f- right?
0: 1998 oh. Ford
4: E 450. Oh, was it uh, Super Duty. was it bought from another band or was it purchased?
9: A band
0: of sorts. Dave Lotito, uh, yeah, Dave
9: Lotito, uh, a guy He's on a Long guy. Island had a party has a party bus company.
4: <laughs> Does it? Ha- it's a former party bus. Yes. Yeah. Is there a pole in it? No.
9: There.
8: It looks like there, there are were spaces in the floor. There were spaces, mounts. Yeah,
10: like uh, these. How do you call that? Like the these. Mirror. Mirror. The mirror infinity mirror, <laughs> mirror on,
9: <laughs> the on the roof. This Still there. There's Still lasers. There. Oh yeah. There's oh. lasers in it. This sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah, you should come check it out. I
4: mean, absolutely. Well. Maybe, well, yeah. well I mean, I'll it's just look a right well, It's a little messy right now. That's fine. Well, it's a tour bus.
5: Yeah, some. I mean, like that. they're
4: not known for their cleanliness.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: They're
4: uh, not. No. Well, what's the sleeping arrangement in there as well?
0: There's bank seating. So oh, like yeah, it is really comfortable. If necessary, actually. we can all sleep on there.
10: But the funny thing about so this the tour, we did it to the west. It was like we were touring with another band, and so it was like oh fourteen of us. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Fourteen were 12 going 12. to the West Coast. Oh, in the party bus.
9: Yes. Yes. Yeah, so there were, Now,
4: if we were like everybody's
9: if, stuff, ex-girlfriends, was was other we, band, we, the other
4: band. Oh, I was gonna say we the, it was <laughs> full. Of, it started with a bunch of girlfriends, all and then was exs. ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone and, was exes. <laughs> yeah, and by the secret. end, it was really us
0: ex-girlfriends and some boyfriends. Some boyfriends,
4: comfortably just for the listeners. If we were responsible adults, how many comfortably would fit in there?
6: Mm.
9: Eight, us. seven, oh, eight, four. Eight. <laughs> no, I just think us. seven or <laughs> sevener, eight. Sevener, yeah, no, it depends how much luggage there is.
4: Right, but yeah. not fourteen people plus gear plus luggage. Oh my god! Plus plus <laughs> three thousand miles. To be fair, I think
9: it was only twelve, but still, still. It no, was, no, there was fourteen. I mean, time. at one, that's time just at just one point there was fourteen. Seriously? When Jay oh and gosh. and Ian or Brom or something. Yeah. I,
0: I think we traded out, didn't we? We were so pretty yeah, we good with, out we had a, a, a constantly
9: revolving human, was a like a boyfriend would fly and one. in, and then mm-hmm. one would leave, and then another one would fly and in then the same
0: an
10: yeah. And
9: then an we lost an ex-girlfriend. An ex-ex-girlfriend. Oh, we did lose an ex-girlfriend.
10: When, one of the members. Quit? They, yeah. 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 In the
9: middle
6: of the
4: tour. That happened on my other tour gig, is that it uh, was a band, they had two drummers, and the tour was so terrible. I mean, that was the first mistake. But we landed in Philadelphia, and he said... I'm not getting the van. I quit. I thought you were going to rip up my plane ticket if I told you that. And I was like, no, that's terrible. And then just like left and left the tour. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wait, that's so he wanted to wait until we...
4: He got till got he got back to the East Coast because he thought we would rip up his ticket, which is like that's a really... I mean, that speaks more to the person. I know, that's so it, it, paranoid. It, very paranoid. It's like, that's not also not how tickets work anymore. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you, <stomach> <laughs> <confirmation>. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you still have a confirmation It's not like 1980s where it's like, <laughs> eh, like that.
0: If you don't have your boarding pass, then...
4: Yeah. You print out another one.
0: Yeah. Can
4: we that's hear another true. song? Sure. What are you going to play for us?
0: Uh, hmm. uh, which one should we do? I like... Okay. We haven't recorded this one yet. The next two, we haven't recorded yet.
4: Do you have a gig coming up? Is that why you wrote new songs?
0: I mean, no, we just, we haven't recorded in a while, and we just decided to keep writing songs.
4: Cool. Snacky Tunes exclusive.
0: Yeah, I guess. Have we? I don't think we've, no. Well, I hope it goes okay.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Here we go live on Snacky Tunes. festival season starts next month. You're going to South by Southwest first and then Treefort Fest, but South by Southwest in an official
10: capacity.
8: Woohoo! I'm so excited for yeah. these two things.
10: Tell me. <gasps> you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually playing a festival this month. Oh, before uh, well, that? Yeah. Next month, fe- February. Oh, yeah, Ohio. Bright Cleveland. Winter yeah. Fest. <laughs> winter Fest.
0: In Cleveland, bright winter. Bright, winter. bright winter. winter. Also, but. Yeah. That's on February 24th, which may or may not be. Uh, yeah. Great! I'm super excited to go to
8: Texas because I'm—that's my
4: home. Are you from Austin? No. Where are you from?
8: Just—I'm from Amarillo. Oh, okay. But the whole—the whole place is like the whole. Mm. All, all. She's got
9: a tattoo. I—I <laughs> I on her home. arm of Texas. Also became an appreciator of Texas later <laughs> in life.
4: An appreciator. Uh. Do you miss breakfast tacos?
9: Yes. <sighs> oh my god.
4: There's a place that apparently so opened much. up um, down by Wall Street that serves breakfast tacos from like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. during the week.
8: <laughs> I, well, heard I will there. never go to Wall Street. Yeah,
4: I this is just a fact. <laughs> what you do with that knowledge is kind of up to you.
0: Uh,
4: uh, whose showcase are you playing at South By?
8: Good question.
0: We're playing uh, the Cigar City Management Showcase for sure, and we're playing the Outer Orbit Booking Showcase. Those two, that's the, our team, I guess. Yeah, not I guess. That's our team. That's your team. Go yeah, to them. Little Dickman. Uh, both of them. Yeah, and Little Dickman. Hopefully we'll be, yeah, on a Little Records. Dickman showcase too, which is also, man, we're so lucky. We are working with the really uh, caring, Lovely. excellent, diligent human people. With good taste and a good hearts.
4: Do you think that you'll do the just those three shows? Or are you going to play every show that comes your way and just be like, we're just going to do 11? Who cares?
0: Um, that's yeah, kind of that's what, what we did last year. We prob- yeah, this How many did you do last roll. year? Eight, I think.
4: Eight's pretty good.
0: I think we did eight know. shows in six days. Yeah, eight. That seems about right. Yeah, because we had two, two days, yeah. I think I we, we had a day good. off and we had two, two, uh, something like that.
4: How do you feel by the time you're getting to like the sixth or seventh show? Like, you're Uh, in a groove or just like, why did we do this? I
8: don't know. We'll see how it goes. Last year I was like, uh, I was like dying of heat exhaustion and uh, dehydration. But this year I'll probably not do
6: that. Yeah, maybe you can Um, just
4: put some water in the back of the party limo bus.
8: yeah. 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 Well, we're not taking it this time, so that won't be happening. Oh.
4: Okay, and let's let's talk about Tree Ford Fest mm-hmm. because I don't think as many people know about it, but that is also an amazing one, especially because they're a B Corp, which is incredible. They're what B Corp? Like they're a profit that's run like a not for profit. It's a good designation that's for companies. Cool. Yeah,
0: tight. Yeah, can we, can we be one of those?
4: I think that you have to apply, but probably if you work real hard. But they're amazing because essentially it's like they're a for profit company that does good. Like that's they don't great. maximize profit. They like it's super well rounded. That's great. Yeah.
8: I've never been to Idaho, but I'm I'm super pumped to go and play this festival because one of my heroes slash idols is playing. Who? <laughs> Cindy Wilson.
4: Oh my gosh! <laughs>
8: <laughs> and I, we I might we might get to meet her, so I don't know.
4: Have you have you ensured that you are not playing at the same time?
8: Oh god,
9: no. I mean the chances are sl- slimish. Yeah. I think there's three or four days of music and.
4: The look of fear that just yeah, crossed your like- face. <laughs> I, I am so sorry for introducing that. I apologize. Sorry. I don't think we
0: actually. Uh, I don't think we know the exact. As of this moment, we don't know the exact timing.
4: And for those who don't know it, it's a, happens in Boise. It started 2012, and it's kind. It's pretty similar to South by. Like it's almost like a sister festival. Venues across town. Really rad.
0: I think you oh, know more I about see. Treefort than I do. Built the spells
4: playing. George yeah. Clinton's playing. Yeah, Brian yeah. yeah. P-Thunk. Yeah. yeah, it looks pretty amazing.
9: The, yeah, the, the lineup, lineup is...
4: It's really
9: good. I've already been just listening through to all the bands I've never even heard of, and I've discovered... I like Wimps. Oh, I love Wimps. Yeah. And there are a couple other... French vanilla. Idaho, man. Idaho. I've never what been. What is there? I don't know. Potatoes? Twin Falls? Certainly some animals, I hope. Yeah.
4: It looks it looks pretty rad.
0: Flora fauna
4: flora fauna and then you al- also are going to Europe this year too. Ah. This is so much exciting! And Meg, yeah. where are you going? Who are you going with?
0: Oh, uh, we're
8: going we're going, we're going with, with ourselves. Um, um, we're, we're going just all over the UK. We're gonna might maybe like go out, but um, I, like Brighton we're and we are still
10: I, working. Yeah, we're still working yeah. on
9: the trajectory. Uh, I know we'd really like to do um, Stockholm and Berlin and Amsterdam In and Paris.
4: Cool. Do you need a tour manager?
0: Yeah, you want to come?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Do you know
0: how to drive in in the UK with the roads on the opposite side?
4: I mean, if I've got time,
0: you to, <laughs> I've got can time. You can practice? <laughs> I can practice.
4: We, we need a tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah actually, we do. Yeah, we'll find a tour manager for you.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Anybody
4: listening, they need a tour manager. Yeah.
0: I don't think we can pay for like your plane ticket.
4: No, you get one from over there. What? Yeah. You get one oh, over there. Yeah. Tight fixers. So,
0: um, yeah. Talk. We'll
4: talk. Talk. Um well we'll make sure we have time for one more song but where can people find you hear the EP find all your tour, bait, tour dates see photos
9: the uh, internet the internet we uh instagram we do have fruitxflowers.com
4: you're one of the few bands that actually have a website that's not just bandcamp thanks i, I, have to I mean we you. <laughs> we need to do
0: a bunch of work on it i know that most of that is I have to do that because I made it and I know where all the things are. All the things. You know, like the password for the <laughs> domain and the, you know, all that and so the hosting so and the so this and that. But anyway, fruitxflowers.com does exist, and, and we're Instagram is
10: fruitxflowers, fruitxflowers
0: and Facebook.com/slash/fruitxflowers.
10: Twitter on, on is Tinder also yeah. fruitxflowers. Tinder, <laughs> o-
0: OK Cupid. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Last Fruit X. Last question.
0: XX flowers.
4: If you were a food or a dish, what would you be? Like
0: you collectively, say, collectively or
4: individually? Co- collectively, as a band. Because I would be sweet potatoes. Okay. But I'll take that.
10: But I like that answer.
9: <laughs> no, I'm thinking more like...
10: Like a, a wild fusion of stuff, uh, like yeah. probably like
0: Jumble. a vegetable I platter. I thought of this, and the only thing I could Pepper? think of was sweet and sour chicken for some reason. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that is actually the correct uh, answer. You win. <laughs> we have a plate. I can't
0: get it out of my head. We have a
4: plate for you outside. Everyone else General gets pizza. Says.
0: Oh, tight.
4: Uh, well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening this week on Snacky Tunes. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. What are you going to take us out with?
0: Uh,. Another song.
4: Perfect. Thanks for listening. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Here we go. Live on Snacky
6: Tunes.